When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This week's episode of Sounds Good is brought to you by the folks who make my podcast happen, Gradient. They recently launched their full editorial website with tons of articles advancing identity and culture. Go check it out at gradient.is. That's gradient.is. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Sounds Good with Brandon Harvey. I'm Brandon Harvey. Today I'm really excited to be talking with one of my favorite artists, Adam J. Kurtz. You may know him as Adam J.K. or the guy with the really cool art on the internet. Adam has a popular book that's been translated into tons of languages, has tons of followers on Instagram, and has worked together with the New York Times, HP, BuzzFeed, Tumblr, and Urban Outfitters. In fact, if you've been to Urban Outfitters at all, in the last few years, you've definitely seen his work. To top all of this off, Adam is super humble, super insightful, and super funny. Two quick notes about today's interview before we get started. Number one, I'm talking to Adam from his apartment slash art studio in Brooklyn, New York. So you may hear some Brooklyn, New York sounds in the background. Number two, just a heads up, this week's episode contains some strong language that is not bleeped out. If you've got kids listening or you're not into that kind of thing, Maybe just go ahead and skip this episode. All right, now let's jump straight into this. Okay, I'm here with Adam J. Kurtz and uh, Adam, welcome to the show. Uh, hey, how's it, how's it going? Thanks for having me. It's it's going great. I'm so excited to be talking with you. This is awesome. I'm so excited to be here. Uh, this is my first podcast. Well, second podcast, but the first one never aired because I was too weird. So uh, this should be good and maybe, <laughs> and maybe weird. I am honored. And if people are hearing this, then that means that you were just the right amount of weird. Not too weird, but just weird enough. Yeah, if you're listening right now, I made it, and this is a big moment for me. So thank you for being here. <laughs> I love this. Um, okay, so I should say my wife got me hooked on you. I think she's been obsessed with your work for a few years now, um, and uh, and she just started like showing me the things that you were creating, and it was blowing my mind. And she even when I first started this podcast, which is focused on like the good things in the world, she got me a pin that you made that says "Good News," and it's like a little newspaper and. Uh, so that's on my jacket right now, actually. Oh, no way. So I tried to work backwards and figure out how you knew who I was. And yeah. I totally recognize your wife's name, but I was thrown because of her new last name. And so when I was trying to put two and two together with names that I've seen a lot on the internet, it took me so long to figure out that you were married. But congratulations, because she's awesome. <laughs> and uh, I'm so excited that, that you have a little good news pen, too. Well... Thank you. She's going to she's going to scream when she hears this. So uh, that's exciting. 
Um, <laughs> this is cool. I love this. Um, so I feel like I should back up and describe your art because I feel like a lot of people who are listening, because this is a podcast, they may not be seeing your art right now. They may not be aware of your art. So I figured we could kind of play a fun game, which is terrible, where I use words, my own words, to describe art that you meticulously planned and created in a physical space, and I'm going to try to bring it to the audio world. And then you just tell me if I did a good job or a bad job. How does that sound? Can you make it sound extra good? Is that... Yeah, I will I will try my very best, but again, I... <laughs> I'll I'll leave it to you. I have a feeling that you're going to make it sound way better than it looks and then people shouldn't even look it up. It's I mean, I love your work, so this is I'm just going to be geeking out. Um okay. but it's so it's really funny though because your work is so visually driven. Like it's uh you've created physical things and you've created digital things and all but all these things are I don't know. It's just going to be funny. So <laughs> I've got I've got some photos up right now. The first thing I'm looking at is an award that like a, a ribbon. It's red and it says, at least you're still trying. And it's uh, it's got stars all around it. And it's really, really fun. And I want to like give it as a gift to somebody. Did I do a good job of explaining it or a bad job? You did a great job. And uh, people buy multiples of those and totally give it as gifts, um, especially around like the holidays when you don't know what to get coworkers. So that is like a super giftable one for sure. That's brilliant. I love, <laughs> I love that. Um, oh, this was a this was a tattoo that you made, um, a temporary tattoo, and it just says you deserve to take up space in the world. And I love that mantra. And the whole all of your stuff is like very handwritten. Um, it's almost like I don't want to say childish, but it's childlike. It's um, it's fun. I re- I like it. Yeah, I think that's really on purpose, because when you're saying something, I mean, you deserve to take up space in the world is, one, super blunt, and two, like, if if you hear that at the wrong time, you're just going to be like, oh, fuck you, like, please, I don't need that. But when everything is in this childish, childlike handwriting, it's so accessible, it's like you scribbled yourself a note, and that sort of, I want to say soften, but it's almost like it's toughening it, like, yeah. like, if I say something cheesy, I need to, like... I need to end it with like, oh, P.S. Fuck, 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 shit. Like, I need to take it out of like baby territory, and uh, that shitty handwriting is totally part of it. I think that you've done that really, really brilliantly. It's kind of, I think it's disarming in a way where you, you kind of want to pay attention to it. In the same way that like, some of the phrases you have could be the exact phrases that a motivational speaker says, but like a motivational speaker is so cheesy in a way that like nobody's going to listen to it from them, but they will listen to it when you attach a few expletives and it's in your like handwritten typeface. And like, I think it just works really well. I think it's like, if your mom tells you to do something, you're like, whatever mom. And if your best friend says the exact same thing, you're like, Whoa, that's great. Like I never thought about it like that. So it's really stupid, but the framing of the same advice makes all the difference. And, you know, I like live in New York and I'm like sort of jaded. And for me, like, you know, I need advice. We all need the advice. And, you know, I'm 27, like people older than me have, have lived this life and have words of wisdom, but I'm not always willing to listen. So sometimes it's easier when you have an object or a book or a note that you leave behind and like, let someone pick it up, let someone find it for themselves um, and give them a way in. It's, it's never, I like that you said motivational speaker. Cause I'm, I never want to be that person who's like, all right, I'm the expert. I cracked the code to life. Totally. Now listen to me. Like that's bullshit. 
like we know that everyone has problems. So let's be open about the fact that we're flawed and then impart the wisdom that we do have or the experiences that we have lived uh, and do it in a human, like real way. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. And that reminds me of another piece of work that I have up right here. It's uh, this is from your book, actually. And your book is like the type of thing where people are supposed to fill it in and they're supposed to write all over it, essentially. And this is an iPhone or like a text message conversation that you drew. Um, And it says that one person at the top and at the bottom. And it's just got spots where like you can write in text messages to a person. And you say at the bottom, send a text to that new person you met last night. And then in parentheses, you said, don't be nervous. And (laughs) you drew in all the details and then somebody just gets to like fill in the text. Yeah, I think text messages are one of those things that, you know, when it's that person that you just met or that person you have a crush on, like you obsess over it. You're like, oh God, like which emoji or like how many exclamation points and you write and rewrite it. And you're hoping that they don't like have your messages open so they can't see the bubble. Like, and then after a few texts or once they're already your friend or you're dating them, it's like you just fire off garbage. Um, but so this, it's sort of like a worksheet for that first time that you send that first text and like remembering that sort of terror, but then also how exciting it is. Um, I don't know, just like how amazing not knowing what will happen can be. Yeah. Okay. So another one that I just found, uh, is you've got this patch (laughs) and it's all black and the, the white text says, at least you're cool on the internet. And I think, I think that's really funny. And then... Let's see. You've got oh, you've got a mug here, and um, in your same brilliant handwriting, it says it's not all sunshine and rainbows, but a good amount of it actually is. And then it's got like some stars that are drawn in different colors, and um, it's just an all white mug. And I think that just makes me happy. Where it's like it's real, but it's also um, it's positive. It's optimistic, but in a in a real way. Okay, and then and then I just found this one list that you made that says how to get over comparing yourself to other creatives. And then you just have like a list of like bullet points, essentially all hand drawn again. Um, And this was a part of a larger blog post. It was all done through your art. But the first thing was admit it, reflect, count your hashtag blessings, feel pride, celebrate. And then the last one is rip out your eyeballs. (laughs) I love that. I thought that was awesome. Yeah. The, uh, the lists that I've been doing, these sort of how-to guides for the Design Sponge blog have been so fun um, because there's so many things that I've sort of learned in this like baby stage of being a creative professional, you know, whatever, having a brand and, and doing books and all the stuff that I do. But Design Sponge has been really open to me being weirder. And so rather than be like purely informative or helpful, I can kind of speak to the reality of this shit, which is like, yeah, sometimes it sucks and sometimes people are better than you. Um, at some things and you like can't let go of it even though you're great at everything else so yeah that posted really well I was kind of shocked um, and then they asked me to do more and I you know I'm like seven months in now you're doing awesome at it I think that you've done a really good job of and we can kind of get into this more later but your authenticity it makes the optimism so much more powerful because people are they don't want just the motivational speaker who's talking like an expert they kind of want to listen to somebody who is on the same page as them yeah for sure but on the other side of that i mean yes that's like logical and sort of there's a way to like understand why people like the thing i do but on the other side i'm always like 
why does anyone like this? Like every time I make anything, I'm like, are you sure? And people are like, wow, it's like so authentic. And I'm just like, that's exactly what I would say, except that I like had it made as an enamel pin or I like glued it to something or it's printed on a balloon. But let's, these are exact words or phrases the way I would communicate them. Uh, and so anytime anyone's like, whoa, that's awesome. Like you must have worked so hard on that. I'm like, uh, no, that's me. Um, and so maybe I'm just like, I lucked out on like where culture is right now and where like humor and young people and getting through shit. And then also like trends, like I'm lucky people like this simple stuff. Cause I don't know how to draw. It's very bizarre. It's yeah. I'm, I'm really grateful, but I don't understand it. That's really interesting to me. Um, and you're kind of at this place where you're like, okay, I'm creating things and it feel, I don't know. It sounds like you kind of like, you've got that. Oh, what's it called? Oh, it feels like you kind of have a little bit of imposter syndrome, this idea of like, okay, like I'm doing this stuff and it like comes across like pretty easy for me. And like pretty soon, cause I feel this all the time where I'm like, okay, pretty soon people are going to figure out that I'm a total fraud, that I'm an imposter. They're like, I actually have no idea what I'm doing with photography, with like making a podcast, with telling stories and like, they're going to catch me and then it'll all be over. Um, and yeah, for, I guess my first question is, do you feel like that's kind of true for you? Uh, I feel like yes and no. And the the funny thing is that just two nights ago, I did a live event with the magazine, The the Great Discontent. I and we talked that. about it. Yeah, they're so cool. Um, and it was me and then like a super established graphic designer who works at Pentagram, uh, Emily Oberman, who was really cool. And we both were talking about our imposter syndrome. And, uh, you know, I think everyone to an extent sometimes feels like, oh, God, like, how am I getting away with this? But on the other hand, um, it's not so much that I feel like I'm not doing it or that I'm going to be found out. It's more just like, wow, people really like this thing. And so I totally know what I'm doing and I'm able to like continue to iterate it. And like, you know, it's sort of, it's just my own honesty. And so I have, I have more of that. Um, and, and no one's ever gonna, you know, there's not a way to like prove that I wasn't actually sorry when I wrote sorry on a balloon but there is this part of me that's like, okay, well, this this is a trend and, and I'll continue to grow and evolve as culture does. And so not so much imposter syndrome as much as just like this anxiety about like the future, like where am I headed and where are we headed? Um, you know, because we're, we're in our teens and 20s, but like, are we still going to want novelty t-shirts when we're 50? I don't know. Um, it's just more about the future and, and wondering where I fit. And that, that too is like a super relatable feeling. I think we all feel that uh, in our respective ways. That's really fascinating to me. And I love your intentionality and like your thought process of, you know, this is work, like this is what's happening now. What does this look like in the future? Um, and I want to bring it back a little bit um, to kind of how you got into all of this. I read that you got your start in the world of art by studying graphic design, uh, and you started studying it, I believe, because you were a fan of building fan sites when you were a teenager. And so you're like, I'm going to try to just figure out how to do that. And then a friend kind of talked you into creating art for things that like weren't fan sites. And that's kind of how you started kind of creating the things that you're creating now. And I imagine that during that whole process of becoming an artist, there was a little bit of a struggle in like calling yourself an artist. I feel like that's something that's true for a lot of people when they are working towards something that they want to do. 
they struggle with like actually saying that that's what they are, like identifying themselves as that thing. At what point did you start calling yourself an artist and was there a struggle in there? I think I started calling myself an artist maybe last week, approximately. (laughs) Um, I mean, I I am a graphic designer by training and I've been employed as a graphic designer in multiple jobs. Um, But now a lot of the personal work that people know me for is is more in that art category just because it combines graphic design knowledge and practice with some illustration. And then there's product design. Um, I've also, you know, I have a book, I have, or I have a second book coming. So I guess I'm an author, um, but I do write longer form. Uh, and then sometimes the art is that it's handwritten longer form. And so artists just became like the safety word that, cause you know, as I was saying that, like everyone who's listening to this on their headphones or in the car was like, Oh God, like shut the fuck up you made like three, you know what I mean? People don't want to hear all that. And so artists just captures anyone who makes anything that emotes anything. It's so easy. And I, I feel comfortable with that now. I, it feels like you're like, you're comfortable with the art that you're creating. You know, you're, uh, when I look at your work, I see kind of consistency. Like I understand who you are. You're kind of creating things that it feels like I'm getting to know you in a lot of ways. And I think that your work walks this really beautiful line between on one side of the spectrum, you've got sarcasm and cynicism, but then on the other side, you have whimsy and optimism. And I have no doubt that this is coming from a place of intentionality. You know, you've been at this for years. Can you break down kind of what you think you want people to take from your art right now and how your art mirrors your own life? Like where is, where is this welling up from as a part of who you are? I think that, you know, a lot of what I do is finding a way to break down an actual emotion or a feeling or experience that I've had in my life as I get older, and then translate that into some sort of an object or an image that can stand alone. So I'm not going to make a balloon that says I was 19 and I threw up out the window of my friend's car, but I might make a pin that speaks to this like sentimentality of like, being a crazy young person and and missing having no responsibility. So it's finding a way to take something that, that was mine and make it a little broader. And then also having that positive and the negative wrapped in there, one makes it accessible um, to someone who's not feeling the posy vibes. Cause when you're depressed, literally the last thing you want to hear is cheer up. It's like, if, if I could cheer up, I would, my issue is that I can't, um, so you have to give people an in and uh, I try to make things that you can look at from a happier perspective or a less happy perspective and, and enter into from either direction and then come out the other side. So a super happy person might, you know, be forced to reflect on a deeper truth and someone who caught the darker side right away might come out the other end a little happier than they were before. <laughs> that siren is so good right there. I know. I live in like the most Brooklyn of all Brooklyn. I mean, I guess everyone thinks that, but yeah, there's like a busy street and then there's a highway going by and there's like three supermarkets downstairs um, and a whole lot of avocado toast. That's how I knew I did it right. That's, you know, I love avocado toast and I liked it better when it was called toast with avocado. It's like $4 cheaper when it's just toast with avocado. No, that's 100% true. Uh, And it's, and it's $10 cheaper when you make it at your own house. Yeah. Oh my God. It drives me in there. 
there's like an old timey grocery store right next to the cafe and avocados cost $1. And then the cafe has a sign that's like $7 avocado toast with truffle oil. And it's just like, come on, Brooklyn. Like, (laughs) and I feel like every city is experiencing this right now. The like this wave of like $5 coffee or a $4 donut, which to me is normal now. But I realize that for most people, a donut doesn't cost $4. There are these things that like New York help, like New York forces you to unlearn basic yeah. truths. Yes, no, that's ab- well. I mean, if we're going to talk about donuts, I will say real quick that my favorite donut is a five dollar donut here in Nashville. It's my favorite donut in the entire world. Um, one of my top five favorite donuts was twelve dollars, and I had it in Austin, Texas, a few weeks ago. And goodness gracious, was that amazing! So. You can, was it just like a really big donut with a ten dollar bill inside? Yeah, is they're just they're just paying you with money to take it. It had meat on it, like it had a whole slab of chicken. It was basically like oh, was it that? Was it from that food cart? Yes, yes. Oh, what is that place called? We Gordo's. totally went there. Gordos. Yeah. Oh shit! I went there last year, and actually, I think we're gonna come to Nashville sometime in the spring. It's oh. next on our list of cities to visit. Amazing. No, it's so good. Um, you'll have to let us know when you're here because we will buy you a $5 donut. Um, I will never let anyone buy me a $5 donut, but no, please take us there. I'll hit you up. It's fantastic. Anyway, I will jump back into our <laughs> previously scheduled conversation. Um, okay. So I love what you just said about how you take these emotions, which are like intangible and you make them physical. Like, and I think you've done that especially well, um, with your book in kind of a reverse way where you um, you give other people the opportunity to make their emotions tangible so that they can maybe understand them better. And for somebody like me, who's probably like overly optimistic, like I don't know if overly optimistic is a, a real thing, but like I definitely think. Yeah. Okay. So I'm, <laughs> oh, I know those people. It's yeah, a thing. So it's probably me. So I think I err on the side of over optimism. And so my favorite people are the people that you know, that ground me, not in a way of like cynicism, but they just like, they're like, okay, like that optimism is real, but like this other side of things on the other end of the spectrum is equally real. And you've done a good job of making it accessible for people like me to feel the other side. And then for people who um, are on the more cynical side of things or the more, even just like people who are struggling with real things like depression, et cetera, um, it gives them an opportunity to reflect on the beauty in the world. And I love that that was an intentional decision on your part. A lot of the work that I'm producing is, is me doing these things. You know, my gift shop is all about creating tangible emotions that you can buy and gift. And then with one page at a time uh, and coming soon, my next book, pick me up. It's all about giving someone else the tools or, or forcing someone else to do the same thing. And so it's sort of like, again, the opposite of a motivational speaker. Like, I'm not going to show up with the book that is like how to fix your life in a daily doodle. Um, It's it's really the opposite. Uh, The book starts out with, you know, you have all the tools and this is just paper and you're the boss. And I mean, we all have the power to analyze our lives. And, you know, some of us ignore our issues and some of us go to therapy and some people already journal, but it is harder and harder. And I wanted to create these tools for anyone, whether you are super optimistic, but then not always the most practical, um, whether you are, you know, severely depressed and having trouble remembering the days that are good. You know, I just wanted to create this journal that helps anyone who feels like 
getting through a year is crazy. And I remember that point when I was like, what do you mean I have to plan for next year? Like, I can't even imagine what I'll be doing in two months. And so one page at a time is all about slowing down and incrementally building your way through. And then at the end, you're like, holy shit, like I did this. Like this was my life. And on page one, I couldn't imagine the end of the book. And, and now I've finished this whole thing. And it's mm. a thick book. I mean, it is a huge fucking book. I, I love that. I love the idea of one step at a time, one day at a time, one page at a time. And kind of what you're really talking about here is self-awareness bit by bit. Like, what do you think the value of self-awareness is? I mean, I think it's hard to navigate life if you're super optimistic or super pessimistic, because what you're missing is, is the practicality. I think, you know, when you talked about my mug earlier, it's not all sunshine and rainbows, but some of it actually is. That I meant that in the most literal way. Like, yes, not everything is amazing, but some things in the world are so amazing. Like, sunshine is real and rainbows exist whether you want them or not. And so <laughs> that is an undeniable truth. And so, yes, your life might be really hard right now. Or yes, everything might be amazing, but you're still going to have challenges. And ignoring them one way or another is is stupid. Like, you can't be so happy that you don't notice the bad things and you can't be so sad that you don't notice the good things. Life requires you to sort of be aware of everything. Um, and that doesn't mean flatlining. That doesn't mean be a zombie. You know, I, I just think that you should feel a full range of emotions. Um, just like really see life as it's happening and, and know that anything is possible and anything can happen to you or around you. That's beautiful. And that's, that's kind of optimistic. I mean, kind of sounds great um but if, if we were sad that could also be horrifying so like everything that i do i think it goes it goes both ways amazing you've been given a lot of incredible opportunities in your life like you've worked with really really no fun... i have not been given any opportunities i've created opportunities well and that okay that's i think a... that's so important yeah um i, I mean i think for, for anyone who, who is broke or feels like they don't have what they need to start a project, this is like garbage advice. But, but everything that I have, I started doing with paper and staples. Like I was making zines and then I self-published this little calendar and I worked at a photocopy shop and I stole photocopies after hours. Like this sounds like an early 90s like DIY story. But this was only seven years ago. And I just kept doing everything slightly bigger and bigger. You know, my first products were postcards because that's just paper. Um, the truth is that we have most of the tools we need. You know, if you have access to a computer, you can le learn to build a website. It, and everything grows incrementally. And so, you know, eventually someone at Penguin Books found my calendar and they said, you know, hey, would you like to make a book? And Eventually, someone at Urban Outfitters was like, you know, we, you've made a few products on your own and we've covered you on our blog before. And like, what if you made a mug for us? And then we met in person and that turned into, hey, what if you make 12 things for us? And at the end of this year, I have a product line coming out with a company called Fishizetti that is like an iconic New York City, um, like kitchen products, like beautiful dishes and glassware. And that is an example of someone who worked there ordered a pin from my shop and you know, she was getting it delivered to work and I saw their return address and I just about freaked out because I love them so much. And I just, I included a post-it that was like, I love your store so much. Everything I have is from there. Like I've been such a huge fan for so long. 
And, and that note turned into a hangout, turned into a formal conversation, turned into a contract negotiation. And so it wasn't like, oh, you work at the store. Well, like I need five grand. So like, what can I do to get you to pay me? It was purely, I love you. I, I would love to do something with you. I don't know what it is. Like, what do you need? What can I do? Um, and I, I do that all the time. I did that with this bagel store that I really like. And I, I did pins for them. And I did the, did that with this pencil store that I like. Um, and I've teamed up with people that I love. And it's just like getting excited about things and knowing how to make something happen for not a lot of money. And then sometimes it, I, I feel like I'm rambling. I think this is like a hard thing for me to describe because I know, I know that not everyone has the same right place, right time, dumb luck as, as I've had. I No, I love all of this that you're saying. And I totally agree that it, that it's all about the work and right. Like the truth is that timing is everything for everything, whether that's job opportunities or personal projects or romantic relationships. Like everything is so much about being ready for the thing when the opportunity comes. Exactly. And so many opportunities are just like slight misses. Like the person that you're in love with, like isn't in a relationship. And then like you go on a vacation and you come back and, and she's married and you're like, Oh my God. And like these things happen. I mean, right. Everyone is living their own life and there are so many lives happening all the time. Uh, And that's true of cool opportunities. When you think of, how many artists are in the world, not even artists, but how many artists whose work looks exactly like mine. And there are many, and I could list a bunch of names right now. And four of them even have the same book editor as me and Penguin publishes all of us. When you think about just how many people are in the world who are feeling the same things, it's, I mean, it's incredible that anyone gets anything done. And yet the world is big enough to allow all of us to have these chances. And so I've been lucky enough to, you know, accidentally be like gushing about something to the exact right person. Or I've been lucky enough to make something that gets reblogged on Tumblr a half million times. And then Lena Dunham finds it and Instagrams it. Like, these are small moments that are not impossible. It's just all about who sees what and who meets whom when. Exactly. And if you're not putting in the hard work, then when that opportunity shows up, you're never going to get the opportunity because you haven't put in the work for it. But if you're constantly just working hard at the thing that you're pursuing, then when opportunity arrives, like it's yours to take. Um, it- That's a really good point, right? Because if, if you're not playing the game, you can't win. Exactly. Like, you need to be present to be counted. Uh, and some people are so unsure about where to start that they don't right? Like some people spend all their energy on a logo and a website. And in the meantime, they have no content. And I've always started with the thing first, just like, keep doing the thing. Don't get caught up in like, sometimes don't even get caught up in like, why or how just just make and share in any way that you can. Because if there's nothing to find, it won't be found. And like, that's sort of like the root of everything. Yeah, yeah, that's brilliant. Um, and Okay, and I also loved what you said about there's so many people who are doing such similar things to us, but there's more than enough opportunity for us all. And I think that you've talked a lot about jealousy before um, in just like you, you've done 
you've made art about jealousy and comparing yourself to others. Um, what do you do to keep yourself from like trying to like mentally compete with these other people who are doing similar things to you? You know, and this this is something that's true in the art world, but also in every other thing in the entire world, really. Like we're as human beings, it's kind of natural for us to compare each other, but the trick is to not let that get toxic. Yeah, I think that I think that it can be very difficult when you see other people succeeding at a very similar thing that you hope to succeed at. And it's important to remember that success is not one thing. Success is defined in so many ways. And so it's up to you to determine what success means for you and then achieve it in your way. Your work really thrives off of the connectivity of the internet. And a lot of people are negative about the internet. They're like, oh, like the internet is just full of trolls. The negative is just full of people who, you know, like the Donald Trump world of the internet you know that whole thing but like i feel like your relationship with the internet is super positive like what what do you feel like your relationship with the internet is i feel like my relationship with the internet sort of reflects the way i interact with it i think the internet is amazing i mean first of all people are listening to this podcast right now because they got it off the internet and you and i know each other because of the internet and uh my entire career has happened because of the internet you know, people say the internet like it's one thing. And <laughs> that's insane. That's like saying Earth is one thing. Like, uh, Earth sucks. And I mean, sometimes Earth does suck. And sometimes the internet sucks. But what you're really saying is the things that I'm focusing on about the internet are terrible. And so when you're focusing on hateful people, malicious people, when you're thinking about the worst parts of the internet, yeah, it blows. But when you're thinking about the free dissemination of information and people who have a positive outlook who are sharing that. Or, I mean, if you like desserts, when you think about how many dessert photos are on Instagram, I mean, there are so many good things to find. And so I choose to focus on that side of things, the friendships I've built and the inspiration I find, um, the ability to share things instantly, the, the ability to get feedback is incredible. I mean, you can tweet a feeling and find support so quickly. I mean, the speed of things is, is that's what overwhelms me more than anything, is that the internet is so fast. And sometimes I forget how big the world is, and the internet really reminds you of that. And that's probably my least favorite thing about the internet, is that I forget how big the world is, but it is huge. I had no idea what your response to this question was going to be. And this is the exact thing that I like that I hoped you would say. Like, I think that's so beautiful um, that, you know, it's all about what you're choosing to focus on. And there's so many amazing things that you can focus on. And of course, you can focus on the Nate. I mean, what I really love about that is that that can be said about anything that's not the internet. You know, it's uh, people can be like, man, America sucks right now. But like, what about all the awesome things about America? People can be like, man, like television sucks right now, but there's some, like, there's a few awesome TV shows. Um, (laughs) I mean, that's kind of my, my ultimate mantra is things are what you make of them. Mm. And, you know, I have that printed on these little pencils and I give those away. It's written in huge letters on the back of my first book. I mean, things literally are what you make of them in a physical and tactile way in regards to creativity Uh, or building something with your hands, but also in terms of your life outlook. I mean, everything is the product of its ingredients. And when it comes to emotions, you know, 
you're you're a combination of of the things that your outlook is composed of and you have the power to change things even when you have the exact same pieces it's like you can just rearrange them yeah i mean it's we we really hold a lot of power in our own lives and we just forget that sometimes we're so busy that we just like forget to have a nice day okay so i, I want to talk to you about your new book um I was like Googling you the other day in preparation of this interview. And I was like, I wonder what Adam is up to next. And I found what you're up to next. You're working on your new book, um, which is, I already thought you were a good fit for this show. Um, but your new book is called pick me up a pep talk for now and later. And, um, that sounds like even more of a good fit for this show. What was your inspiration for this book? So, one page at a time, the last book was all about getting through a year. And I had a tough year and wasn't sure how to get through it. And then I literally wrote the book on like, how to get through it. And of course, you, you make the book yourself. So I filled in my own copy that is basically like the answer for me by me. And then pick me up is basically this book that is saying, hey, remember when you knew all the answers? Listen to them. <laughs> Pick Me Up is all about taking your own advice. And so the pep talk is from you for yourself in the future. That's the now and later of it, is that we know what we need and we give other people advice all the time. I mean, we have conversations with friends and family and we help other people get through shit. So why do we forget to listen to ourselves? And that's what Pick Me Up is. It's not me telling you what to do. It's you telling yourself what to do now that you have a clear mind um, for later when maybe you don't. Okay, you said that when you wrote your first book, you'd had a hard year and that was, um, your book was really kind of you getting through that yourself. And can, can you tell me a little bit more about that year, if you don't mind? Um, it was really this, it was my first year in New York and it's like you, you hear about this city being tough and you know that everyone lives in a shoebox and it's like crowded. But what I think something you maybe don't realize is that when you come here, nobody cares. Like you get here and, and so many people move here with like their one suitcase and they're like, New York, New York, like I'm going to conquer the world. And you get like, you get out the train station or off the plane and immediately nobody looks at you and nobody cares and nobody's talking to you. And so you can start to like, one, feel in invisible, and two, you're like living in a tiny room. And so I had a tiny bedroom, and I also had my workstation in there. So I lived in there, I worked eight-hour days in there, and I slept in there, and it was just like, everything just felt like terrible for a little while. Um, and of course, it was my version of terrible. It wasn't the worst, but yeah, I was just sort of losing it. And so I left New York for a month, and I like went home to my parents' house, which is super unlike me. Like if you know me, you would, you would know that that was like weird for me. Um, I'm not like I moved out at 17 and here I was 23 moving home for a month just because I like couldn't handle New York. Uh, and then I came back and I was like, no, this is a life that I have here. I have a new relationship. I have new friends here. Like I don't want to give this up so fast. And so learning to really take every day one at a time and, and realizing that, like, yeah, it's hard to imagine a full year, but I know I'm going to get there. And let me take some notes along the way so I can retrace my steps. It's real. One page at a time is really a paper trail. 
um, that helps you get there. But then you can also sort of look back and sort of like relearn how to do it. Man, I wish that I had stumbled across your book when I first moved to Portland. I moved from my tiny little hometown to Portland, Oregon at the fresh age of 18. Uh, and I, I moved there to go to school and I showed up and it was like, I remember having a very similar struggle. I, uh, I started actually like plotting opportunities to move away. I like, I tried to like apply for film school in California. I was like, maybe like I can move to California and everything will be better there. Or I was like, maybe I'll move home. Like this thought process of like, this place sucks. Like I'm having such a hard time. I need to go somewhere else to solve the problem. But it's, I mean, what I found is that, you know, and I think this happens for a lot of people when they move to a new place is I just needed to put in the time and put in the work and make it feel like a home for me. And once I started kind of investing, like actually like putting my roots down, it made the city so much more real for me, but it took self-care. Like it took me being really self-aware in a way that I think your book would have been really, really valuable. I mean, it means a lot to hear that because there was a part of me when I made this book that thought, oh great, I like made a book that I like and nobody else cares about. And that's why it even says on the cover underneath my name, it just says some guy in parentheses. <laughs> and I could not believe they let me keep that because it was this joke when I was designing the cover even when I was making the cover, even when I had a book and I had a contract, I was just in my head like, nobody cares. This is my struggle. And then people started getting the book and it, it came out in Brazil two months early and like right away was on the bestseller list in Brazil. And I was like, holy shit, not only is this a universal feeling, but in another language, it's already connecting in a big, big way. Um, and, you know, it's now in 15 languages. 15. Like, that's crazy. Wow. And and they keep selling new translation. Like number 15 happened last month. In my mind, this book is two years old. But making this book made me realize that I'm just not alone at all and that we all feel this. Um, and a lot of it is the internet too, is that on the internet, everything is so fast and so connected. But real life takes time and you can't press a button to like find your roots and find your friends in a new place. Um People people give copies of One Page at a Time to, like, high school grads. Like, it's it's such a good, like, going-to-college book. It's sort of, I mean, it's sort of like a yearbook for yourself. Um, That's a really good way to put it. I like that. I mean, it, 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 I, tried, I think I tried to call it, like, real-life yearbook, and Penguin was like, that is a little too, uh, too broad. <laughs> and I was like, okay, true. Like, I guess you're in the business of books, and I'm not. Yeah, I, I didn't realize that everyone feels exactly the same. And so that was a really big lesson that I've learned from sharing myself in in the form of a book. Okay, so now I want to jump into uh, every episode I ask a few questions because I love them. Um, and the first question is this. How would you describe the kind of person that you most admire in the world? That is a really good question. Um, I really admire people who have a quiet strength. I think that I am a very, usually a very outgoing person. And I, I talk a lot and, and I speak with at least the appearance of confidence. But what I admire the most is people who 
are really quiet and you think that they're shy, but actually they're listening to everything and they're remembering and digesting all the information and they are just like way better people than you are. Or that's how I see them. Um, I, I always have so much respect for, for quieter people who just like, I don't know, who soak up the world and like really get it because I feel like sometimes I move too fast and talk too much to get everything. I know exactly the kind of person you're talking about. And the, the, unfortunately, that's the kind of person that also is not often noticed. And so I love the fact that you are seeing I always that notice that person. Like, I, I am dating that person right now. And together, we are like an unstoppable duo. And I'm so happy that we have each other because I agree, like, one... I agree that like independently, both things have positives and negatives. Um, but I think we learn so much from each other and yeah, I have, I just have so much respect for, for that type of person because no matter how hard I try, I just like, I can't shut up. I don't know how. (laughs) I think that's me too. I think I'm your kind of person also. Not your kind of person. I think I'm the same kind of person (laughs) as you. (laughs) I think so too. I think that's sort of what, what has drawn us, to this podcast moment, to, the, to this pinnacle of our life, we are we are at our peak moment right now. I know that you're joking, but this literally is my highlight. I think this is it. I'm on a podcast, you guys. <laughs> we're, this is incredible. We're on it a podcast, so good you guys. To be on a podcast. <laughs> I'm gonna ask the next question that I ask every guest. Question number two: What are you consuming right now that you really love? Uh, I'm consuming water and. That's sort of, you know, the basis of all life. So that's pretty good. <laughs> um, so th- this book, All My Puny Sorrows, is about two sisters. And one of them just does not want to live. And she's a musical genius, but she also keeps trying to kill herself. And so this is a very heavy topic. And it deals with all this, like, darkness. But it's told in a really... It's not light, but it is funny. It's sort of like sometimes you have to laugh at your own darkness. And I... I just found it really inspiring in the way that it can tell this story, but it's not a self-help book. It's not trying to fix anything. And yet, though it's not overtly trying to be a self-help book, it can be very helpful. It's like a kind of subtlety that I don't have, but I really appreciate. Uh, it was It's a great book. That sounds great. I am excited to check that out. My last question is... Um, okay, actually, so I normally ask people based on the ways that you've chosen to step out and live your life differently, what's one thing you'd encourage someone else to do in their own life? Um, but I feel like your work is all like your work is full of all these little philosophies that kind of pack a punch um, that I feel like they really fit this question. So I kind of wanted to alter it for you and be like, what's like a philosophy that like, you know, you have on a shirt, a poster, a pin, something like that, that has been like, recently meaningful to you um and then maybe like break it down a tiny bit for me uh so i have this phrase that that pops up in my work and that i have tattooed on my arm and it just says never forget that one thing and it's kind of a joke like halfway through the tattoo i forgot what i wanted to say but the serious part is sort of remembering your core drive and motivation like what makes you not only human but makes you you and never losing sight of that it's so easy to get overwhelmed with life and school and work and just like 
all the terrible shit that's happening in the world. But ultimately, at the end of the day, if you can identify what your like, what is your soul? If you can identify the thing at the core of your soul and hang on to it, that should be enough to carry you through. That's beautiful. Adam, if people want to follow along with you and see your work and stuff, where can they find you? People can find me at AdamJK. That's AdamJK on Twitter, on Instagram, on Tumblr.com. Um, shop.adamjk.com is where you can look at and own the tactile things I make. And also, I have a Facebook page that I don't care about. So it's facebook.com slash adamjklol. The stuff you did for BFF with like where you tap to like stop the the scrolling like photos yeah, like the like stop that, motion that's or super tap games. that's super effective on vine and still super effective like on twitter via vine but i don't know if that has the same virality as everything else you know what i mean like i don't know if people would follow an account like that in the same way that somebody would follow like a bunch of teenagers unfortunately yeah, i mean the bff account was slow to grow until it said until they added the word buzzfeed to everything and then it grew a lot and it, BFF was weird. Cause we wanted to see if we could do it without Buzzfeed, but yeah, it, it was a weird situation. I, I didn't have any input into like the structural stuff. I was just there to like make gifts. It was actually very weird to take my social media marketing self out of the equation. That's interesting. Um, but we had like a soft serve machine. So I just like kept, kept to myself. You're like, I'm just going to keep to myself and eat ice cream until they fire me. And so oh my God. I've got to stay yeah, for as like, long as possible. I got to eat like my salary's worth of ice cream. Man, that is awesome, Adam. It has been so fun hanging out today. Thanks so much for being on the show. Yeah, it was amazing. I can't believe, again, that I was on a podcast. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ride this high for the rest of my life. Good. Good. I uh I hope to see like that your new like bio on your book just says like I was on a podcast once. Oh my god, yeah, back cover as featured on podcast. Yeah, just just It's going to be so good. As featured on a podcast. Penguins totally going to go for that. Yeah. On that note, uh I will uh I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, talk to you later. Cool. See you, Adam. Bye. Sounds Good with Brandon Harvey is part of the Gradient Podcast Network and is created in collaboration between me, Brandon Harvey, and Gradient. Find them on Facebook and Twitter at gradient.is. That's gradient, D-O-T-I-S. You can follow along with my story on Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, and Facebook. My username is simply Brandon Harvey. That's my name spelled with an E-N at the end. And if you go to my website, brandonharvey.com, spelled the exact same way, You can sign up for my weekly good newsletter where I highlight five of the most hopeful things happening around the world. Make sure you hit the subscribe button wherever you listen to podcasts and leave a review on iTunes. It really helps. That's it for this week's podcast. See you next week when we get the opportunity to learn from another incredible person. Sound good?